Warning, Aloha Beam commencing. Warning, Aloha Beam commencing. Kick off your shoes, roll up your sleeves, and get ready for your barefoot business breakthrough. Multipreneurs, passionate part-timers, and dreamers alike, you're welcome to the table for fresh conversations on how to launch, grow, and innovate your conscious business from anywhere in the world. And now, beaming aloha direct to you all the way from the beautiful island of Kauai. They're goofy, they're real, they're badass business whizzes meet your hosts the co-founders of life mastery business academy debbie williamson and kelly lynn knott Welcome to the podcast. I'm Kelly Lynn Knott. And I'm Debbie. We're so glad you're here today. Debbie, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about how to get booked. <laughs> so <laughs> this, is a, this is a conversation for those of you who maybe are in the fitness or yoga realm, but this can apply to getting to speaking anything. engagements, yes. speaking at conferences, even if you're in another business. For example, I come from the music business and was a booking agent, so I helped artists get work. So we're in, and Debbie has done this for years for other people and for herself Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about that Debbie sort of how you came to that sure well even before I was in yoga and well and it was part of fitness but once I graduated from college I was always looking for how do I make money in this field that I have all this education so I would set up workshops on anything like um blood pressure, uh, walk, you know, walk and get fit. And I I think I had like 300 titles that I was working from and I would just start proposing to people. I would propose to, uh, you know, any nurse that I knew because I I always thought of, you know, nurses were like the authority on fitness back in the eighties and things like that. So I would ask them like, do you have any doctors that would like me to present at a meeting or a 15 minute break? Or, um, you know, how could I get in at the hospital? How could I get in at, um, you know, a clinic and I'd approach YMCA's, I'd approach anyone I could approach. And I didn't even worry about money. What I wanted to do is like get my foot in the door to present something. And then I knew once I got there, they would ask me back, but I would always have a list of, you know, like all these things that I could talk on. And when I would present, I would say, Hey, you know, here are the other lectures that I have. And that's how I continued it. And it was pretty amazing how just once speaking in front of somebody on a topic that you're passionate about leads to like this unending uh, number of talks that you can give. Well, what I love about that is that is for any of you who are interested in becoming a motivational speaker yes. or do any type of public speaking. And again, it doesn't matter what the business is. This is a tool that you can use. Show up, offer something brief and free and fabulous. Be fabulous and entertaining. And uh, give your all, even if there's two people in the room, just give full energy. Mm-hmm. And then, like Debbie said, have have other stuff at the ready. Have a list of, of things that you can help with. What I think is brilliant about what you did, Debbie, is, uh, and you've done this all through your career, is you looked for speaking gigs, workshop gigs, presentation gigs in places where uh, people were not necessarily doing them at that time. 
So you you didn't you didn't necessarily right. uh, reach out to you were a fitness instructor, a yoga instructor. You didn't start with the yoga studios and the gyms necessarily because no, they weren't around. I mean, when you think about the eighties, it's not like there was a yoga studio in every corner. <laughs> it didn't right? happen. I went to police stations, fire stations, hospitals, libraries, um, any any fitness gym, any place that had a meeting room or a space where we could sit on the floor. And then you would look at different populations too. So if you approached a school, you would approach a teacher you might approach Mm -hmm. a parent you might approach the principal for different groups so maybe you're speaking to the staff maybe you're doing an event for parents or parents and kids or maybe the school brings you in for kids well what I found out is a lot of times people go to the top like they'll go to the principal or they'll go to you know like the sports team's manager or whoever's in charge and the thing is the person in charge doesn't have any time you know, and, and you go in there and you have one impression. But if you talk to the parents, the athletes, the kids, you know, the population that you're going to speak to and you say, hey, I would love to offer this topic. You know, do you know somebody or is there some place that I could hold this topic? And then if you get like five, ten parents going to the principal, well, now you've got all these people behind you. And that's how I would get in. It was never like just send a letter to the principal's secretary and get in. It was have all these moms rally. And they're like, we want Debbie. Yeah. And that's how I got in. And a lot of times the first time might be free. And what I I don't mind about that, I know a lot of people, you know, look at, well, my time is valuable and I should get paid. But when you're trying to get like a series of gigs or even get yourself out there, and I'm talking about like when I was brand new as a speaker, I would go first and blow them away for free. And then a lot of times like the schools would go and they would get a grant and have me come back. Fire departments got a grant, had me come back to teach them boot camp and exercises and yoga. And it was, my impression was never to just teach a whole bunch of free classes. It was build a relationship, get myself in the door and then see what develops. And it always developed into something that was paid. Well, and I want to add that the reason that happened for you and continues to happen for you is that you are very specific about delivering value. Mm -hmm. So if you're going, if you've reached out to an organization, it's because you believe you can give them some value and you've customized what you're going to offer to some of the challenges that might be unique to them. That's something that you put a lot of thought into and also do very naturally as a speaker. So even extemporaneously, if you know who's in your audience, you're speaking to those people. You're customizing so that they get what they need and then they go, hey, we need more of this. This woman is amazing. We should absolutely pay her. And even if it's free, I think of like with Kelly as a booking agent, I would always think like if somebody's going to book me to present, like I already would stand in the shoes of being somebody that was booked on a regular basis. So I would say if I had an agent, what would the agent say about me? How would they sell me? So I would make sure I had a bio, I had a headshot, I had a description, that I had something formal already where they would say, Yes, we want to book you. I could send them all this information as a packet as if I'm my own booking agent. Like I had it prepared. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people is they want to present something, but they don't have all the the detail and documentation ready to deliver at that moment when somebody's ready to make a a decision on it. Yes. In addition to the things that you just mentioned, uh, and you mentioned this earlier, and I'm going to mention it again. Have a one sheet that has five to 10 topics with 50 to 100 words on each that you can talk about. So a very brief description with a great title. So they have a sense for some of the topics that you can talk about. I had a music industry friend uh, reach out to me two days ago and and ask me, he said, listen, uh, someone reached out to me and said, I'd love for you to play on my recording. 
Uh, and, and I don't, you know, I don't know how to um, tell them that uh, I usually get charged for that. And I said, well, exactly what Debbie just said here. <laughs> Approach it like you're a professional and this is every day for him. Mm-hmm. I said the language that I would use is great. I would love to help you. I usually charge this. How does that sound for you? And if they can't do it, you'll know. And if they, if they can or they have something else, you can start from there. Uh, so I, I love that. Yeah. To say my normal rate is this. And then wait for them to respond because sometimes it's like, okay. And then sometimes it's, oh, we can't afford. And now you can decide like, how much do I want to go lower? What can I do? Do you want to split it? But I want to tell a story about when I I presented at a, uh, somebody booked me at a conference and I was more like the middle entertainment. It was about like, you deserve the life you have something like that. It was very general, but fun. It was, it was more like I took people from like, you deserve the life you have at 30, at 40, at 50. And, and all those age groups would just laugh and, and bust out. And when I was approached, they said, well, we don't have any money in the budget. We you know, don't have a lot to pay you. So what do you think uh, you would do this event for? And it, it was... It was an hour lecture, so it was a good amount of time to hold an audience that I didn't know. And I said $150. And I thought that was big time. (laughs) (laughs) And and I did it, and I was really happy, and they even fed me. And it was interesting because I sat next to this guy at lunch, and we're eating after I did my lecture. And he's like, yours was so great. And I said, yeah, they want me for the afternoon sessions. They asked me if I could do the afternoon, and they're going to pay me for that too. So I I talked at 10 a.m., and I talked at 3 p.m. And then he's like, well, I got to go up. And I'm like, what? And he was a ventriloquist. So he goes up with his puppet. He was a lunchtime entertainment. And he was funny, but he was about 20 minutes. And, and I thought, oh, that's, that's cute. And he sat down, and at lunchtime, they handed us our checks. And I opened up my envelope, and it was $300. They paid me for the session even before I, I gave it in the afternoon. He opened his up, and it was $10,000. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I accepted $150 for my hour in the morning and then now an hour in the afternoon and everyone flooded my sessions, but they could pay $10,000 for a ventriloquist. Not only did you accept it, <laughs> but you suggested it. I did. So of course they said yes. And that's something you learn as a booking agent or someone representing yourself. If someone jumps at it and says yes so fast that you can't finish your sentence, you need to raise your price the next time. Right. And you know, it, it's good business. A lot of times yeah. these events, they don't have a lot of money, um, but they also will spend you know their money for things that they really think will be a success and you know the with the entertainment they're used to paying that much for entertainment and that's when I shifted in my brain and thought you know I am as good as the entertainment and even better and and again this goes back to like the early 80s when I was presenting and that's when Tony Robbins was just starting you know so a lot of these people were taking off and and that's where I kind of thought wait a minute, I'm kind of like them. You know, my speaking should be of, of greater value. And then guess what I said the next time that I was offered to speak at a convention? What did you say? I said, you know, my normal rate is about $500. I couldn't go to the ten grand, but <laughs> I did go to 500 But the interesting thing was is a lot of times they're like, whoa, we don't know. And sometimes they were like, sure, okay. No yes. hesitation. And then sometimes they're like, we don't know if we can afford that. And I said, but you know, this is my first time speaking for your event. You know, how about if we just split it in half? 
So 250 was even better than 150. But I had this range where I know I was going to make more than the 150 I made. And it takes practice. It takes practice to ask for higher rates. And like Debbie mentioned earlier, we're big fans of doing something for free for you know community organizations. Uh, but when you're looking at conferences, there generally is a budget, and you're going to look mm-hmm. at that. And again, in that conversation, you can say, yeah, how about we split it in half? If it's something you want to do, right. you can say, what is reasonable for you? Uh, and Let them come up with a number. That's usually a good idea because they usually come up with something higher than you would. A lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times they exceed your expectations. Sometimes I'll let them come up with a number first and see and see what they offer. And uh, in the beginning, when I was booking artists, I was surprised at uh, often um, it was higher than what I might have started at. So I, I had my higher starting point. Um, but yeah, it, it, it all depends. And, and it's, it's give and take. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is, Debbie, you illustrated something that I think is really important. Is It's a conversation and there's flexibility. Yes. And there's nothing wrong for uh, with asking for money and or um, working with someone. And I always make it clear. Let's yeah. work together. Let's make this work. What could work? And I think that's the key is I always think of it as I'm building a relationship. This just isn't a one-time gig. So if I'm building a relationship, I'm going to talk to this person like I'm their friend. You know, and friends can always come to an agreement. They can compromise and they can come to something. So I think that's a, a key too is don't ever look at it as like a one-time thing or one-off thing is how are you building a relationship to get yourself back? Very similar to when I would start at conferences, especially through yoga. And, and I really started presenting at conferences through ice skating, through hockey in the spa industry, and then got into yoga later in life. And speaking at something like a yoga journal conference, which is a huge conference, they make a lot of money, they charge a lot, you might get an honorarium for the first time that you offer something, meaning that you offer all of these sessions and you might get $100 per session or free pass to the conference. And the conferences, you know, they don't do this to punish you. What they do is they want to see how do you draw, how do you attract. And I never worried about what I was going to get paid first. Because if you were an attraction, now you have some leverage. You can say, hey, but wait a minute. You know, at Yoga Journal, when I taught in Boston and Kelly played guitar, we had 150 people show up for the class. They had to move the walls out of the way. <laughs> That's so we could, leverage. Yeah, so we could fit everybody in the room. You know, so then it went from, okay, instead of an honorarium, we're going to pay you a percentage of everybody that attends in your sessions well and when you start out you know some teachers might only have six people in a session but when you're looking at a percentage that gets you ready to I'm gonna invite all my friends I'm gonna have everybody I know I'm gonna promote on social media so with a percentage for me I loved it because it meant I'm in charge of what I'm gonna make for that session versus here's a flat rate and I would try to fill it yes yes and I think I think that's important, mm-hmm. you know, to pay attention to those things. And it's all relationships. Now, Debbie, let's talk about um, something that I love about working with you is uh, you tend to get past no's or we're no longer booking or uh, <laughs> we've got all our presenters <laughs> Yeah, we don't year. need to add another one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the things that Debbie and I like to do to challenge ourselves together, I've seen Debbie do this and then... Uh, we were in a hotel uh, one year, uh, and we saw that the Texas Yoga Conference was happening in a month. 
And Debbie said, I, I kind of want to go to that. You want to go? Let's see if we can get booked so that we can, um, you know, write it off and meet some of the people down there. It's such a great event. And it was really purely kind of selfish because we were thinking, it's cold at home. Let's go someplace warm. Here's a conference. Let's just see. And we'd been to the event and we knew it was really fun. And, and yeah. the, the uh, presenters did a great job down there. So uh, I wrote to them and I said, uh, hey, it looks like you're no longer accepting submissions. And they said, we're not. And I said, okay. And then I said, Debbie, should we write descriptions anyway? She said, yes. damn straight. <laughs> yes. So we wrote four descriptions and they booked two of them immediately within five minutes of hitting send on the email. I wrote back with the descriptions mm-hmm. and the titles that Debbie and I came up with and said, okay, well, are these in line for next year? Is this something that you would do for next year? Or is there any wiggle room? Is there any place where you could offer these? Because we think that they'd be a great fit to uh, all of the other programming you have at the conference. Nobody else is doing anything like this. We came in and did some different business. Debbie we did. did. We, I, yeah, I presented um, How to Leave a Legacy, I think, was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember what the other one was. It may, may have been something like programming for profit or something like that. Yeah. But they booked it right away. And, and part of it is you know, getting back to having that kit ready. So anytime you're going to present yourself, make it easy for the person that's booking you. If I know the venue, like if I know it's Yoga Journal or this conference or you know Bali Spirit Fest, I know how they advertise. And if I don't, I look and I see how did they advertise last year's events. So what I do is I put it in the same format to make it easy. Send them a headshot if it's a horizontal or if it's a, a square photo. Find out what they have. Are they using body shots or headshots? Right. Nobody wants to, when they're doing the conference or putting it together for the presenters, they don't want to mess around with having to email back and forth about, hey, we need a different picture or can you shorten this bio? So I would even count and go okay it's a 50 word bio or less it's a hundred word bio or less we we use a word count tool there's a free one online and uh, most word processing tools have them you grab it cut and paste a couple of the different bios in and just see where they're falling you'll usually see that they're pretty close to within 10 15 words of the same amount and that's because people doing editorial uh items have only a certain amount of space so when we sent our pitch back the next year pitch, ha, 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 ha. We knew they were going to book it. Um, we had a good feeling. Well, I did. Yeah, she did. She got, I'm like, well, we'll do it next and year. I She's said, like, I'm no, they're going to book it. They're going to book it. And they did and in they five did. minutes. But we sent it in exactly the format that they had listed on the website. We had the bio at that time ready to go. We had the workshop descriptions in the same count. Uh, with the same title mm-hmm. format. Everything was exactly what they would need so that they could put it on the website immediately. And in fact, it was on the website by the next morning. And if you make it easy for them, you know, that's number one. First, they look at it, oh, this is easy. This is not going to be any extra work. And then the second part of it is, is your title fun? Does your workshop sound engaging? Does it sound like something that they would want to attend? You know, and I would always come up with names, like even for yoga, it was inside, outside, upside down, you know, and, and, you know, something that's kind of catchy, where if you think of people walking down the convention center and they're going to shout out to, which session are you going to? You know, if somebody says that, people are like, what? What is that? What is inside, outside, upside down? You know, it just kind of sounds like a rhyme. And then that's a way to attract people to it. Your title is big. And I would spend a lot of time on the title and then even a lot of time on the description to make sure, like in a short amount of words, how can I make this pop? How can I make somebody go, I have to be there? Absolutely. 
And that it, a lot of this is uh, coming back to value and considering who you're reaching out to. When you're getting ready to reach out to someone, you, the questions in your mind should not be, how much money can I get? What are they going to do for me? What hotel are they going to put me in? <laughs> your question should be, what can I offer them that will be unique? What are they already offering? What are they not offering that they need that I can offer right now? And if you're coming from that place, um, that's great. And a lot of booking conversations in the music industry, and even when I was uh, booking Debbie, Debbie did it for years on her own, mm-hmm. and then I said, hey, I want to do it. <laughs> she said, okay. <laughs> uh, but a lot of those conversations start with, tell me a little bit about the people who come to your event, or tell me a little bit about the people in your community. What do they need? What are they looking for? How old are they? You know, wh- what do you feel that you need? Mm-hmm. Let's hear from you. And you let them talk. And then there's a, a collaborative process. Um, one of the first things that I would say with Debbie, because she is so versatile, I mean, she was a really fun person to book because I knew it didn't have to exist for me to send her there <laughs> and have her do it. So I would say, what is it that you really need? What is it that you're trying to do? Let's co-create something. Debbie's very flexible. And then I might make something up in the moment based on what they said and uh, later tell Debbie, oh, by the way, you're doing a talk on this. And she'd say, what? And I'd say, don't worry. It's- fine and give her the rest of the information and she would be stressed Mm -hmm. but she would find it because Debbie does the work to find the value so she would dig for it do any research that she had to do spend time practicing anything that she needed to practice to feel comfortable and then show up Mm -hmm. and deliver something customized so if you're coming from that place of you have you know the presenter has an audience and you want to serve the presenter you know what the presenter's goals are What are their goals? Are they trying to grow a young conference that hasn't had many attendees? Are they trying to get people in the workplace to understand wellness in the workplace when they're not interested in it? What are their goals? Mm -hmm. Why do they need a presenter and how can you help? How will you help and what are you gonna do? If that is where you're starting from, it's a lot easier for people to book you. Right. And then the, on the other side of it, too, is don't forget to tell them, Do you what do you need? Do you need uh, miking? Do you need a projector? Do you need, you know, what kind of AV equipment do you need? I mean, they want to, if you can give them everything up front, and th- that's the funny part of it, is I, sometimes I feel like with booking presenters, and, and, they, and they may not know who you are, but if you're so organized, they assume that, okay, you've done this before you've got all your ducks in a row this is going to be easy let's give her a try we even had uh similar to what we would use in the music industry we would have a stage plot for debbie and we would show people uh, what we needed and then we would say can be provided if necessary mm-hmm. so we would say we need a projector. so if they didn't need, have it we right. would we need a projector we'd like two easels we'd like blah 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 and uh if you don't have it we'll provide it and eventually, I started charging. <laughs> if we only if we were tra- rent it, yeah. right, right. Only if we were traveling, or if we had to rent it, or if we if, there, if we incurred additional expense. If, if it was something we could drive to, we didn't charge. Um, but but you can look at those things. And again, it's less about you bringing extra stuff or doing mm-hmm. extra stuff than it is that the presenters understand that you understand what it takes to put on a presentation. Many people who speak just walk into the room and they do their thing and they don't have a concern for 
anything else that's going on in the room or the, or all of the work that the people who are hosting them have done. And if you show consideration for that, you're mm-hmm. more likely to uh, be able to uh, be a part of it as well. Well, and I think too, you have to add value to the event that you're going to speak at. You know, do you have potential to bring other attendees? So are you going to be active on social media? You're going to blast to your email list. Um, and a lot of conferences will say like, if we book you, we want to know that you're going to do four email blasts and you're going to promote this. And sometimes they even give you material that they want you to blast and you have to be committed to do that. Um, that's, that's part of it. You're working again, building a relationship and working together to make this whole event a success. Not just you booked as a celebrity and you show up with nothing, you know, no care in the world, but just to do your thing. This is a co-creation. Absolutely. And that is often part of the initial conversation where they're getting the sense that you really care. What kind of promotion do you do? You might ask them, what kind of promotion do you do? Uh, What can I do to assist? In your area, I have about 400 people on the mailing list and they're fairly engaged. We'd be happy to do some e-blasts. We'd also be happy to do some social media. Will you be doing ads? You know, what's our responsibility? Mm -hmm. What's yours? And then what other ideas do we have together? Mm -hmm. Often other promotional ideas come up. Both Debbie and I have a background in PR, marketing copy. I was a publicist in the music industry and and other industries as well. And I still do ghostwriting Mm -hmm. uh, of Uh, press releases for others and marketing campaigns for others, marketing calendars, those types of things. And uh, a lot of it is something that you create in the moment. The more creative you can be, Mm -hmm. just like when you're going after a gig, publicize in the places where nobody else is publicizing. Reach out to places that, that don't know that you're there. And these are things you can discuss. So if you're going to a conference in Texas and you're going to talk about a yoga business, you could say, hey, well, these are the people I have on my mailing list. Uh, would you be comfortable if I did a webinar before the event and I reached out to all the yoga studios and said, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to be at this event. I'm doing a free webinar. Join me for the webinar and then come on in and we'll give you 10% off my event because you were at the webinar. You know, cross-promoting that way. Mm-hmm. You can come up with creative ideas. And again, as Debbie said, when they see that you are invested as much as they are in having people show up to the event, that's huge in bringing you back. Well, when I look at a conference, it costs them so much money to put a production on. You know, it, it, I wouldn't want to offer my own conference because it's crazy. The, the hotel fees that you pay, the food and beverage fees, you know, so they're investing a lot. And and. I really don't think conferences are like big business, that they're making a lot of money. I really believe that the people who put these conferences together really want to help the presenters that are at their conference. Because if you look at what they're doing is they're presenting you, they're allowing you to sell your book, do a book signing, sell your programs. I mean, that I was shocked at how big my business got just from doing these events. And it was crazy because you get to be in an audience that normally doesn't see you. So I look at like, what can I do for them? Because they're really giving back to me. You know, they're setting me up for success. How do I set them up for success? Absolutely. And I I do want to say right now, a buzz topic in all businesses is how do I build my list? How do I build my list? Mm -hmm. What do I do online? Who do I have to, how do I, what, what do I do? Do live events. Mm -hmm. Do live event conferences where people come from all over the place. You're going to build your list very quickly. And you're also going to have people reach out to you and go, hey, would you ever come to my town? And then you start that conversation and you say, hey, I'd love to. Where where are a couple places that I could reach out to? Or or do you have uh, someone you can introduce me to who would like what I do? 
and don't forget to invite. When we did the, the Boston event, that was my most favorite event. It was huge because like Kelly said, they had to move the walls out for this event. And I mentioned, and I, I don't know if it was during my yoga class or off after my yoga class, that I'd love to come to, and teach for you at your studios. And we were booked years out just from that event, from all the people that were there. And, and we still get people that say, I took your class in Boston. <laughs> and it, it's like you think of 150 people, how many of those have businesses or know people that could book you? I mean, there was our next year of teaching. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the next two years, actually. <laughs> there was a period of time where we were booked solid two years out with every weekend. And then we decided, wait a minute, we don't want to do that. <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But, but it was a lot of travel, too. And then we thought, what else can, what, how else can we provide value? Mm -hmm. uh, but just recently, we decided, uh, Debbie received an information, uh, an information, an invitation, uh, because she is an influencer on social media, and she's a, been a big part of the fitness and yoga community for so many years. She received an invitation to go to a very special event in Anaheim, California. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, it, it's IDEA. And IDEA, it used to be like the, the dance fitness organization, the only one out there. Um, and now they're just huge when it comes to nutrition, wellness, fitness, studios. Um, they're the real deal. They started in the early 80s. And they started doing these events for influencers where they really wanted to reward bloggers, people who have a fan base, people who are out there changing the world. And Usually these are the people that typically are presenters, but they wanted to do something where they gave them special education. So after, uh, I think about two or three years of offering the conferences, they started looking at what could they do special, and they started with these events. And a couple of years ago, Kelly and I, we went to the blogging event because I was invited as a blogger. And I hadn't been blogging for a long time, but I started back way in the early 2000s and blogged forever and then kind of stopped. But somehow it came up in, in some of their searches. Well, you had, had just finished your big manifesto. I did. Well. I did. I did, days I did every day. Blogging. Yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't really stop. And they called and invited me and invited me to do a presentation. And it was fabulous and I, I didn't think of them and they uh, put together another event called the shine event and again it was for influencers now basically instead of bloggers it was more for like Instagrammers that were blowing up the place and a, a lot of people there had like a hundred thousand people on their Instagram and were invited to like how can we turn you know your influence into something greater and they invited me and I thought oh my gosh like I only have like 2,000 here and 2,000 there. And, and I think when I added it all up, when they invited me, I maybe had like 10,000 followers when it came to some of our, our accounts. Just, yeah, just for social media. Because it, it wasn't that big. We just sold our business. And I thought, why are they inviting me? And when I started communicating, they're like, you know, there's something about what you're doing. Like, we look at you. And Sadie Nardini was there as well. And she's like, you are doing like huge business on very few followers. So you've captured a way to take, you know, like a thousand followers and get a hundred people in your programs. You know, where people have a hundred thousand followers and they can't even get 10 in their programs. So we want you on the other side of the influencer. Maybe you're not that, you know, 100K followers, but you've got like 
the engaged followers. And that's who we want at this event. And it was really interesting because they were planning on like 150 people at the event. I think they ended up with 125 and they were searching for more and more influencers. And they, they wanted to even go outside of the fitness industry and just like bring in people from all over because everything is wellness. And they said, we want you to invite a buddy. And I thought, oh, well, I want to invite my mom. <laughs> or, or, she you was know, thinking like, you know, a hang, she out, hang out And they said, no, 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 no. We're talking about another influencer. And they would still have to go through an approval process. So I, I invited Kelly. And they said, well, what we want you to do is fill out the application because she still has to have a certain amount of influencers and, and still be somebody that is making it happen. So I actually filled out the application for Kelly and put everything in there. I put in a lot of her music stuff and, um, and plus our LMBA, our, our uh, online academy, and they approved her right away. And it was because, again, we don't have to have 100,000 influencers to be influencers. We just need to have people engaged. 100,000 followers, yeah. Yeah, and that's the key. Is is And this event was all about, like, it, it's not that you have to be a big celebrity or everyone in the world has to know your name. Is you're an influencer, even with your community, even with your, you know, your town. Maybe your town is 2,000 people. I look at that, and if you get, you know, 30 people to a yoga class and you're in a town of 2,000 people, you're rocking it. You're huge. And this event was amazing as far as, like, how do you convert some of these people to other things? Like, how do you bring them online to some of your training? How do you reach more people? And even with Kelly, she had been traveling all over singing. And it brings me back to, you know, you can reach the, the 10 people in an audience or the 50 people that show up at this coffee shop or even this bar here. And you can do these gigs or you can even do like bigger venues. But if you went online or you put together your CD and you get like a million listeners, you're touching like the world. And part of that is we're so, you know, uh, savvy with reaching worldwide, you know, why not invest where you can reach those huge audiences? You don't have to start with the tens, the 20 people. You can start with like whoever's out there. Because even though you might have 10,000 people, you know, locked into your Facebook, are they really looking at your feed? You don't know. You could have 200 people on your Facebook. And even if it's public, you could have like 10,000 people looking at your feed. So you don't know. You have no idea. You don't know, and, and this is just, uh, this is something that I think we'll probably say on every video from here going forward. Remember, you don't own your social media followers either. Mm -hmm. They're not on your mailing list. They are probably not getting your messaging unless they're looking for it. So make sure that you're always looking for ways to invite them to be a part of your mailing list so you can continue to offer mes messaging. And the number one way to do that is to offer, it starts with a V. Video. No. <laughs> Value. <laughs> but good guess. <laughs> Videos with value. That works too. It's so funny. But she knows, she knows I was going for online. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it is where it's at. Uh, it, 
it's really if you have like a space and a studio space it, it takes a lot of work and energy and you can build a client base and I loved it and I always think you know do I go back to brick and mortar do I do that but then again you know it's you know people can't make it to where you are and I just posted something on Facebook like should I start doing my yoga classes online well you know everybody was like yes 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 because we can't come to you anymore you know and it, it removes a lot of barriers it does it's, it's funny I've been begging Debbie to, to <laughs> teach her yoga classes online for a long time because people ask me about it all the time. And I'm like, nobody wants She's to like, take no, my class online. Gonna, who would do that? <laughs> and then she, she decided to test the waters on her own. I smiled because we weren't together when the post no, went up. It I came up in my, up. Seat, my feet and I saw it and I said, oh, she is going to get hit. <laughs> with notifications <laughs> but you know that's the thing like get getting yourself out there again you don't have to wait until uh, like you have any like big following or consider yourself an expert you know start now you know there's a lot of people who want to hear what you have to say or learn what you have to to offer and it it doesn't mean that you've got to wait till you hit a certain point and now you can get booked for a conference or get booked for a workshop or get booked at somebody's place of business um, now is the time now is the time and for the podcasters we're at about 35 minutes so let's let's do a quick recap and okay. then for Zoom, we'll continue. So uh, people listening to the podcast, a couple things to keep in mind, how to get booked. One, be a nice person and uh, get to know the people that you want to present for and offer value, offer good value. I think, think of it as a job interview, but yet um, it's like a friend, like you're meeting a new friend, you're building this relationship. Absolutely. Number two, Show up as a professional. Have a sense for what you could charge if they ask that question. Have your bio. Have several descriptions that you could offer. Uh, have information about your mailing list in that, their area. Have everything that you need available on one sheet of, of paper so that if they ask you those questions, you have it. You can send it. You've mm -hmm. got a package you can send to them. Three, look in unexpected places. Mm -hmm. Find gigs in unexpected places. And four, as Debbie just said, start now. Reach out now. Develop the relationships now. Yes, go for it. So those of you listening... Nothing's stopping you. That's right. Those of you listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions, as always, reach out to us at lifemasterybusinessacademy at gmail.com. We will t see you on the next podcast, and uh, have a great day. Aloha. You've just heard Barefoot Business Breakthrough with Debbie Williamson and Kelly Lynn Knott. Do you have a comment, question, or topic request? Visit LifeMasteryBusinessAcademy.com and drop the gals a line. Or sign up for coaching, consulting, or an online course to move your business forward today. Life Mastery Business Academy. Rock your life. Rock your business. Rock your world.